Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 72 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Dusty Slay. Dusty has one of the most popular stand-up specials on Netflix right now. He joins me to talk about that and more. And a mere seconds, I need to put Cap Metro on blast after attending the Austin FC game on Saturday. And Longhorn Hoops gets smoked by Kansas also over the weekend. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Courtesy Wave, and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Well, Austin FC kicked off another season at home on Saturday night at Q2. Beautiful stadium, by the way, in a really nice part of town with the domain right there as well. And this is hopefully going to be a bounce-back campaign for folks who root for the green and black, the Verde, as it were, as their fans like to call them, because last year was not very good. A season after making it to the conference finals, Austin FC missed the playoffs altogether last season. And while a lot of MLS prognosticators, because yes, those do exist, Believe Austin FC is not going to be a whole lot better this year. It's sports, so you never know. Well, after one game, unfortunately, for those fans, things don't look a whole lot better. Austin loses 2-1. to one, Actually score a goal literally in the final seconds of extra time in the second half to cut the deficit to a single goal, but they essentially got beat 2 to nothing. Giving up a second goal near the end of regulation in that second half. And the opportunities were aplenty for their opponent, Minnesota, the Minnesota United team. And Austin FC just did not get the ball on goal enough. You're not going to hear me give a comprehensive breakdown of this game. But when the other team's shots on goal is a larger number than your total shots taken on goal or otherwise... That is not a recipe to win in soccer. And sure enough, Austin FC does lose that first game of the season 2-1. to one. That is secondary to what I wanted to talk to you folks about to start off today's Sports Day Plus. As many of you probably heard, Cap Metro just built a new stop on their route, which stretches from the eastern edge of downtown all the way up into Leander. And while there was a stop somewhat close previously, there is a stop that literally drops you off right at the stadium now. In celebrating the Michaela Place stop, Cap Metro, I think on Austin FC's dime, even offered free rides all day on Saturday to celebrate this brand new stop. Seemingly decent idea. I did go to the soccer game with my wife and my two kids. And look, My wife and I, we lived a long time in Chicago. She grew up there and lived there all the way until we moved to Austin back in early 2015. So she's familiar with trains and how useful trains can be. I'm used to trains. I don't need the novelty of riding another train to know that a good train is a healthy thing for a burgeoning city. My kids were very excited to get to go on the train. Even though they had gone on a train in Chicago many years ago, 
It predates their conscious memory of experience and things that they've gotten to do in life. And so they were really excited to get to ride the train to the soccer game. Probably more excited than actually attending the game itself, although I know they were excited about the game itself, not just because we were sitting behind a goal pretty close to the field, but they also get to eat a lot more junk than what dad normally lets them do. Well, unfortunately, we pull up to the Lake Line stop for Cap Metro's train, which is the second stop coming from the north. So the train starts in Leander. That second stop is the Lake Line stop. As you can guess, really close to Lake Line Mall. It's right off of Lake Line Boulevard. And when we get there, we realize that this is not going to be an easy hop on the train and go to the stadium. There was already a large crowd gathering, even though this train was theoretically supposed to drop us off at the stadium an hour before the game itself got going. So we go up to the platform, look and see a lot of people around. My wife and I give one another a look. We're like, hey, we need to think of it a contingency plan, be willing to pull the trigger on just driving to the game itself rather than deal with this absolute S show. And sure enough, the train, when it did finally pull in, which I believe was a minute or two late, if I'm remembering correctly, well, there were enough people that had gotten on at that Leander stop that the train didn't have many open seats in the two cars that were giving people rides further along the tracks. Now, two cars is the norm for the Cap Metro train, as many of you have probably seen. You would hope that considering the added amount of traffic that would be there for this Saturday for the Austin FC game, they might try and add a car or two to each of the train service offerings. But unfortunately, that was not the case. So the train pulls in, both cars, there were standing room available, but there were no seats available, as well as the 100-plus people standing on this platform wanting to get on too. Well, we are not at the front of the line, so as the line starts moving towards the train when it stops and the doors open, my wife and I look at one another, look at our kids, and said, all right, we're driving to this game. We want to get there at a reasonable time, and unfortunately, the train is not going to work today. Kids were crushed because they're still at that age where they can appreciate the novelty of riding public transportation. But we explained to them what was going on and how they would have more fun if we just got to ride in the car, get to the game, have fun at the game, have all sorts of junk food, yada, yada, yada. And maybe most importantly, not have to deal with that chaos on the way back home too. Because as many people are trying to get on the train at that point in time, it was going to be everybody trying to get on the train heading back north after that. You had a great opportunity, Cap Metro. Could have made some big fans. You've been a running joke since you got going. And I realized that your heart was in the right place there, but the execution failed miserably. I have talked to numerous people who say that's probably going to be it for us with Cap Metro. Certainly going to Austin FC games, but maybe in general. Any thought given to riding the train from point A to point B? Completely out the window now. And that's a result of you not having enough foresight put enough train cars in there, or maybe have extra cars running during the day to alleviate the inevitable crowds that were going to be coming from both directions, by the way. Because some of the people I talked to were coming from that downtown route, and it was the same problem. And as a matter of fact, one person, they ended up on a train that was supposed to get them there 
30 minutes before the game started, they got dropped off right when the game was beginning. Technically, when the national anthem was being sang. But 30 minutes late, the train was stopping on the tracks at times for no obvious reason with no announcements coming over the PA to explain what's going on. It started going backwards at one point. And yeah, so unfortunately, the running joke that is the Cap Metro train earned some new punchlines over the weekend, and that's a damn shame. All right, real quick, don't want to spend too much time on this because, well, I didn't spend too much time watching this game on Saturday. The Texas Longhorn men's basketball team went to Lawrence, Kansas over the weekend and just got smashed by the top 10 ranked Kansas Jayhawks. Final score of 86 to 67, probably not even that close. That 20-point lead was built up before halftime. And when your top two scorers, Dylan DeSue and Max Asmus, can't even crack double digits, it doesn't matter about trying to find those secondary scores. You're going to lose against even decent competition, much less a top 10 team like the Kansas Jayhawks, who were also down one of their best players. And for any Longhorn fan who had aspirations that this team may make another special run this year, just go ahead and lower those expectations right now. Getting to the second weekend would be a huge coup for Rodney Terry and Bunge. The reality is you're probably not making it past that round of 32, if that far. All right, coming up, that is it for the sports talk today. You know I love my comedian conversations, and I'm very excited to speak to this next gentleman for three segments. His name is Dusty Slay. You've seen him on Netflix. He's one of the most popular specials out right now. We're going to talk a little bit about his special working man and more here on Sports Day Plus. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Coming up, it's the first of a three-segment conversation with comedian Dusty Slay. His new special called Working Man is available now on Netflix. First, though, I wanted to let you know about my friends at Pest Wranglers. They have been taking care of pest problems here in Central Texas. This is my friend Steve. Started the company back in 2006. Since then, they've established a couple of different mottos. One is effective, reliable, affordable. The other is we love you, the customer. They provide top-notch customer service, as is evidenced by the many five-star ratings and reviews on Google, Yelp, and elsewhere. And right now is a great time to get in touch with Pest Wranglers because you want to get out in front of mosquito season. Pest Wranglers offers eco-friendly treatments that do not target bees or butterflies and is non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes your dog sniffing around the backyard. It's effective for up to a month. It kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases. It's field validated with a ton of scientific research backing it up. This stuff is used in Africa for malaria control, after all. They also offer more of a conventional mistreatment for fast knockdown. It's effective for up to 21 days for things like backyard parties, pool parties, things like that. For either of those treatments, there are no horrible odors, and it's also wallet-friendly, typically under 100 bucks a month. And because they do believe in that customer service, you don't have to sign a contract. Get yourself on the schedule and find out more info at pestwranglers.com. Dusty Slay is a longtime stand-up comedian. You can find his work at DustySlay.com. His newest special on Netflix is titled Working Man, and he also has a great podcast co-hosted with his wife, Hannah, called We're Having a Good Time. He's nice enough to join me now for a few minutes to talk about these things and more. Dusty, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? All right, we're having a good time. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, it's my pleasure. Congratulations on the new Netflix special. I know it's getting rave reviews. It stayed in the top 10 for a long time as well. How does it feel now that Working Man is out there that you're uh, you're getting some serious comeuppance for your stand-up skills, man? Well, it feels great. I mean, people are coming to my shows. I've had an upward trajectory of selling tickets for a while, but the Netflix was a nice bump. And, uh, you know, that's really what I've been wanting uh, all along is just to be able to do comedy and people to come to the shows. It's really cool for just the general stand-up scene right now. And I'm speaking with you from Austin, Texas, which suddenly finds itself as a uh, sort of stand-up mecca. You live in Nashville, which is also a bit of a stand-up hotbed right now as well, that stand-up isn't tied to any other industry right now. If you want to do stand-up, you can just focus on the stand-up and not worry about having to get a TV deal in Hollywood or any other thing that uh, that has surrounded this business for decades now. Yeah, I mean, Austin is a very hot scene for comedy. I mean, Nashville's great because we have a really great comedy club, and then we also have, you know, a thriving music scene. So it's an entertainment city. But yeah, you're right. I mean, nowadays, I mean, you can just go viral. Uh, you don't even have to go viral necessarily. Just put out consistent, good content on the internet, build a following, and then people will come buy tickets to your shows. I think that's a pretty succinct way to put it. And uh, you and I are a similar age. You're 41, and we both have two kids. Now, you're a little bit, uh, or I'm a little bit further along the timeline than you are. I've got nine and seven. I believe both your kids are under the age of four or five. Is that correct? Yeah, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and uh, about an eight-month-old son. Okay, you're in the thick of it right now then as a parent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're having a good time. I love it. I mean, I love having a baby. I think kids are the best. I kind of thought I would never have kids, and uh, now I have them, and I think it's the best. I couldn't imagine not having kids. Having kids is great for a lot of different reasons, and it's great in part because it teaches you things about yourself at times. Like, I watch my kids as they're a little bit older now and a little bit more self-sufficient, don't quite having them... We have them doing some chores around the house. They're not mowing the lo- the lawn or uh, paying us rent just yet. But I've learned a lot about myself as a result of my two kids. Is there anything that you've learned through the uh, two and a half years or so of having kids about yourself with this process? I don't know necessarily, but my daughter will already repeat things that I do. And it makes it seem so much more ridiculous that I do them like you know, I burp a lot. I got a real digestive thing going. And even at home, sometimes I'm embarrassed by it. So I'll burp and I'll go, sorry, guys. You know, I'll just apologize to everyone in my house. I go, sorry, guys. And then so now when my daughter burps, she goes, sorry, guys. And I'm like, oh, it sounds so ridiculous. It's cute, but it sounds ridiculous when she does it because I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. And I'm doing that so much that she's repeating it now. They, they pick up your mannerisms for sure. Unfortunately, this is an embarrassing one for me, but I cuss. And so I've made it a point that even though I say language around my kids, to teach them to understand that words have meaning. And that meaning includes how you're using the word, the tone that you're using, the audience that you're using it in front of as well. But unfortunately, I realized I cuss too much when uh, we were celebrating a July 4th a couple years ago and my older one, who is my daughter, She was just under three at the time. We were loading up for uh, an Independence Day party that we were going to. 
And she and I got in the car, and it's in Texas, so it's scalding hot in the summertime. We got in the car, and, and I got her buckled in, and I got in the driver's seat, and she said, Daddy, can I have my glasses, please? And I'm like, yeah, you can have your glasses, Vivian. Why do you want your sunglasses right now? And she said, because of the sun. Oh, I said, no. Oh. I said, what did you just say? She said, can no. I have my glasses, please? I said, no, that second part. She said, because oh. of the sun. And I said, you know what? It is Texas in the summertime. And if the, anything deserves the F word right now, it is the sun and how hot it is. So kudos to you for figuring that one out. Ah, well, you know, I was in Austin uh, this past summer and it was over 100 the entire time I was there. So I get it. it blistering for I sure. I get it. But were you, were you, yeah, perf- I mean, were you performing here? Yeah, I did. Uh, what did I do? I did a theater. Paramount? Uh, Paramount, yes. And then this year I'm I'm booked uh, later in the year to do uh, uh, the mothership. Uh, so I'll be doing a weekend there. Oh, awesome. That's a beautiful club. I'm sure you've, you've heard the rave reviews of many and uh, it does not disappoint, man. I did a small set while I was there to do the Paramount and it is really great. It's such a nice club. What did you like about that club? Just from the uh, little bit of time that you got to spend there? Well, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's clearly built by comedians, you know, I mean, it's got a very nice green room. The, the whole flow of everything runs well. I mean, security seems a little insane, but, uh, you know, it is nice to have security. Uh, but it just, I don't know, it just felt felt like it was really designed by comics. That was like, all right, if we could design a club, this is what we would like it to be. Hmm. Now, you and I, I you and I share the quality of being former smokers. I love some of your, uh, your smoking material in this most recent special, too. And even though I'm a former smoker of going on 15 or so years now, a little bit more than 15 years, I feel like for the rest of my life, I will always encounter those scenarios where a cigarette just went so well with the moment. It could be post big meal, post sex with coffee as you're like hanging out outside your car waiting for somebody, just lighting up a cigarette there. Hell, a cigarette in a swimming pool is a phenomenal cigarette. Do you uh, you feel what I'm talking about there? Yeah, I wish that I could smoke a cigarette right now while we're doing this uh, in this hotel room. That's what I wish. I, I, I yeah, you know, it does feel like we uh, we missed out on an era of being actually able to uh, to light a heater up as we're uh, flying in an airplane. You know, yeah, I think it was 2011 when um, uh, Auburn played Oregon in the national championship, and I was on the road working selling pesticides, and I had to be I had to be out of town, so I was alone, and I rented a hotel for the night, and I got a room that you could smoke inside of. This was a small town in North Carolina. I got a room that you could, and I sat in that room and just smoked cigarettes and watched that national championship game. And it was such a blast. I mean, I bet I smoked a half pack of cigarettes, but it was, uh, it was so much fun. Cause I was a real nail biter of a game. I mean, I was pulling for Auburn and they won and it was exciting, but yeah, I mean, I was chief and some cigarettes. Now, you are a state of Alabama native. Are you an Auburn guy over a Bama guy then? Nah, I'm more of a Bama guy, okay. but at that point, we're in the national championship, so I might as well pull for my home state. Good for good for you. I feel like there's uh, not, not enough of that mindset coming out of Alabama or sports in general, so I'm glad that you can see the brighter side of that situation. Well, I never could understand that. I never can really understand just pulling against a team for no reason. But, you know, I, I, you know, but that's what people do. 
So uh, how are you with Alabama now that the GOAT has retired? Nick Saban stepped down, surprising a lot of people, what, about a month ago? I mean, it seems like his replacement is a pretty darn good coach, too, but you never know what's going to happen with Nick Saban no longer at the helm. Well, it's real sad in a lot of ways. It's just sad because, you know, he's been the coach for so long. What is it, 16 years he's been there? And it's like, uh, now you're just not going to see him on the sideline. And it's just like, even if, you know, it'd be great if this guy, this guy probably is a great coach and hopefully comes in and just starts winning right away and everything just moves right along. But it's still sad to not see Nick Saban on the sideline. Yeah, it's going to be weird for sure not to see him there. To see him on the uh, ESPN College Game Day show, as a matter of fact, that was just announced within the last couple of days that he's going to be a part of those broadcasts. I mean, that was a no-brainer for ESPN to bring Nick Saban aboard in that regard. And I feel like people are really going to see uh, a different sort of Nick Saban. He's he's obviously had to remain very buttoned up and very stern with a lot of things. He does have a sense of humor. You see some of those behind-the-scenes yeah. videos and well, whatnot. Nick Saban, uh, he, he is able to laugh, and now he can loosen up a little bit more, more that he's not having to worry about getting his team ready for a national championship run 24-7. Well, I think if they're going to let him do game day, then they should let him at least once a broadcast, rip his headset off, throw it down on the ground, and yell a bit, you know, <laughs> just for the old times. He can yell at uh, he can he can yell at Pat. He can heck he can yell at Lee Corso. Although that may uh, yeah. there may be some injury risk there if he does. Yeah, that. give him, yeah give him a heart attack. Give Lee Corso a heart attack. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's sad, but uh, you know that's what happens. You know, life mo- moves on. I mean, uh, Urban Meyer's gone and Nick Saban's gone, and you know, uh, I mean, I know Urban Meyer's been gone for a bit, but it's uh, you know that was fun times for me. I love those days. You stand-up comedian Dusty Slay. Check out his new special on Netflix right now called Working Man. Also has a podcast he co-hosts with his wife Hannah called We're Having a Good Time. Coming up, segment two of three with Dusty on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for segment two of three with longtime stand-up comedian Dusty Slay. Check out his work. Also connect with him on social media through his website, DustySlade.com. Has a really entertaining podcast that he co-hosts with his wife, Hannah, called We're Having a Good Time. And maybe most importantly, you can see him on his new Netflix special. It's called Working Man. Please do make sure to check that out now. Dusty, we were just talking about your Alabama roots and your fandom of uh, both Auburn and the Crimson Tide. As far as Bama is concerned, I guess I'm not surprised that you guys didn't go after Dabo, even though he is uh, he is an alumnus of Alabama because he's been toiling a little bit at Clemson. And you got to go find uh, not just somebody who's been good recently, but somebody who's kind of a hot hand right now to try and replace Nick Saban. And that's what they did with DeBoer. Yeah, and it's like he, he doesn't seem to want to embrace the new uh, ways of college football. And I don't necessarily like the new way either, but it is the new way. So you have to get on board or get left behind. That's right. Adapt or die. You either have yeah. to be willing to deal with the whole NIL thing and the transfer portal thing, or you'll start losing pretty quickly. And that's one of Dabo's big problems. He's been bitching pretty incessantly about it for the last couple of years. And meanwhile, other programs in the ACC continue to do more and more to uh, to try and make this happen. So as a longtime college football fan now, it does seem like this is all headed towards the Big Ten and the SEC forming a sort of super conference, 
uh, based on those two conferences and everybody else kind of being left behind. Are you okay with that? Just considering just uh, how much money is a part of the sport, not just with what these schools make, but with athletes are starting to make now too. Well, I think that, you know, I get so confused by what's going on with all that, but you know, I say, let's do it. It's like so much is changing that it's just like, let's just make it happen. You know, that way, uh, you know, you don't end up with a situation where Florida state is somehow left out of the playoffs, even though they're undefeated, you know, let's just figure out, I think, what is it? 16 game playoff they're going to, I mean, I think it's all going to be exciting. The old SEC is gone anyway, so we'll just, you know, the old conferences are gone. Let's just, you know, let's figure it out. I don't know. I, I, I gets, All that gets a little deep for me, I think. Um, but I used to have season tickets to the Auburn games when I was growing up. I grew up right next to Auburn. Me and my mom would go to all the uh, home home games at Auburn. So, you know, I love the old school rivalries, the old – uh, old Auburn Georgia rivalry, all that stuff. I mean, before Georgia became this ultimate powerhouse, I mean, that was the fun stuff for me. But did you ever go to an Iron Bowl at Jordan Hare? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've been to plenty of them. You have a favorite memory from going to the to either the Iron Bowl or just an Auburn game in general? I don't know. I was pretty young when we were going. I know right. that we used to have these flags on the cars, you know, that you would put in the back mirror. And uh, we had Auburn, two Auburn flags. And when we got back to our car, they had both been broken off and thrown on the ground. So that's a memory. I don't know if it's a favorite memory, but it sticks out. That sounds like a sports <laughs> rivalry to me, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Breaking our, we were living in a trailer park. These are the only flags we could afford, you know? Don't be ripping our stuff down. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's it's so weird to watch people and how they conduct themselves based on their favorite sports teams or their favorite athletes uh, letting them down or the opposite team doing something good. Like, I've never understood the bit of people who will take the jersey of someone that they used to root for but has now decided to, to sign someplace else and just burn that jersey and some sort of effigy it's like what are we in a third world country right now trying to overthrow a dictatorship here like just accept that they're making a decision that is better for them they hope to win there too and just be glad that you got to uh to to watch their services for however long you did yeah you know and that's what you know that's what they they they, one time the auburn fans put the cam newton jersey on the bear bryant statue and then the guy went down to auburn and poisoned the trees i mean it gets intense I was listening to Paul Feinbaum, uh, just listening when that guy uh, admitted to killing the trees. And I used, you know, I used to hang out at Auburn a bunch, you know. Uh, I don't know that I've ever thrown toilet paper in the trees, but I remember the trees. Mm. And it was like, whoa. It was like, that guy was wild. That's sick, too. <laughs> yeah. I love trees, too. I'm a, I'm a real nature guy, so I hate that he did that. Yeah, I've heard that on your uh, your recent co- uh, podcast. We're having a good time that you uh, co-host with your wife, Hannah, that uh, you're re- really getting into uh, becoming a man of the land. Is that uh, yeah. a new passion just, of yours, huh? I just planted another 20 trees, but I got about a t- about 20 trees that I planted last year, uh, fruit trees that I'm trying to get going. So I got a, I got a little spot of land that I'm trying to, you know, get a real orchard going. What kind of fruit? Uh, I've got apples, pears, peaches, plums, cherries. Oh, wow. And then I want to get some figs going too. Um, So blueberries, blackberries, I want to get the whole thing going. Are we aiming to be completely self-sufficient to be able to live off the land and not have to make many runs to the grocery store anymore? 
Well, that would be nice. I don't want to be off the grid, but it would be nice to just be able to pick my own fruit, to let my kids, as they get older, just walk through the orchard and pick apples off the trees and berries. I mean, when I was growing up, that's what I would do. I grew up in Alabama and my dad had wild blackberries growing everywhere in the fields. He had apple trees, a plum tree, a pear tree and fig bushes. And it's like in the summer, I could just go out and just eat all day, just fresh organic fruit. Of course, we didn't call it organic back then. It was just fruit, but yeah, there is something great about being able to do that. And it never tastes better than straight off the vine either. Like I was totally unaware of this as a kid who grew up in the DFW area, went to school here in Austin and started my broadcasting career in Austin. And I moved to Oregon, Ashland, Oregon, when I was 30 to pursue a job. And I ended up uh, living with this roommate who through his family in their house had this expansive garden and they had all the stuff that you're talking about and to be able to go and just pluck it off of a tree, man, there's just something so innocent and enjoyable about that, that it's really cool that you're trying to replicate that now. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. It's so nice. Oregon is a really great place. I watch this guy's videos all the time about building ponds and Mm. and things like that in Oregon. And uh, yeah, Oregon seems so great. I've only, I only go there to the cities to do comedy, so I've not really got to explore the the nature side of Oregon, but it's so great. Yeah, it's got a lot going on. So this is obviously a learning experience for you, learning how to be a gardener slash farmer. Like, what what has been the uh, the most surprising thing to you about all of this? Well, I always hated tomatoes growing up. For most of my life, I hated tomatoes, um, but I started growing tomatoes, and homegrown tomatoes are so delicious. Uh, A fellow Texan, Guy Clark, has a song called Homegrown Tomatoes. Um, And I realized how good they were, but I also wasn't sure if like, well, maybe I'm just an adult now and my my tastes have changed. But my daughter, who is just two years old, will go out into the garden and pick tomatoes off the vine and eat them like they're apples. She loves them. I mean, that's how good homegrown tomatoes are. Yeah, homegrown tomatoes, blackberries on the side, just on the side of a creek. If you're ever back in Oregon during oh, yeah. the uh, the late summer, man, you, I've never been a fan of blackberries, but for whatever reason, when they're perfectly ripe, you've got to be careful because blackberry bushes are very thorny. But if you can oh, get yeah. that ripe blackberry, it's uh, there's nothing like it. I've tried, I've tried to find other blackberries that look similar at the grocery store. It's just not quite the same. They have a, a sort of sourness that sets in, uh, I guess, within hours of uh, them being plucked off the bush. You know. Yeah, I think what they have to do a lot of times is they pick fruit before they're ripe because you have to ship it. So mm-hmm. then they kind of ripen in the shipping process. So I think that's what happens. Interesting. Ripe off the vine is different. I don't think there's an, another way they can do it so that we can, you know, eat fruit any time of the year. We don't even have to worry about seasons. It's amazing what we can get in this country any time of the year. But um, off the vine is is where it's at. Yeah, we really are spoiled, and that speaks yeah. to just how much easier we have it. And this just isn't just a this generation thing. Like every generation has it a little bit easier than the previous, which overall is a good thing. But it's also challenging too because if you're not careful, it'll make you completely soft with stuff, which is one thing for us. But as we're trying to raise kids, we want to raise these kids 
who are self-sufficient, independent, their ability to be, they're able to be present, they're able to think on their feet, but that's harder, harder in modern times. So I'm asking myself the question of what I can, what can I do to challenge my kids to make sure that they have to go through these trials and errors and learn things about themselves and understand that getting better at something is a process. And, uh, you know, sports can help out with that, I think. Having them in sports is good for the teamwork element and them having to work to get better at a certain skill. But it feels like there are other aspects of life that are important to figure out ways to challenge them. I don't have a good answer on that, Dusty. So I guess my question for you is, have you thought about that yet, considering you've got a a two-and-a-half-year-old and one who's just under one, about the best and most proper ways to challenge your kids while also not putting them in harm's way, obviously? Well, I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I think I'm going to have to figure that out as I go along. But I do think that teaching um, people where things come from helps to show an appreciation. Like, I don't think, you know, some people don't know where we get, you know, where the chicken comes from, you know, or, or where the eggs come from. Like, obviously, they, they can make the connection that this chicken I'm eating is that chicken. But what is that process? What is the process of the eggs or the milk? Or, you know, so we're so detached from our food that I don't think we have as uh, much of appreciation. My dad growing up milked cows, you know, but I've never milked a cow in my life. And my dad lives on the same farm uh, as when he was a kid, as you know, when I was growing up. So I've just never had to do that. So I think showing people and, and not just with food, but with anything, showing people the process and what it takes and that, you know, just because, you know, we go to the store to buy a chair doesn't mean somebody else didn't have to build the chair. That is a great point. He is stand-up comedian Dusty Slay. Nice enough to join me for a majority of today's show. His website is DustySlay.com. It's where you can go to check out some of his past stand-up specials. You can connect with him on social media as well. His most recent special is on Netflix right now. It's called Working Man. It is one of the most popular stand-up specials on Netflix right now. Do check it out. It is hilarious. Coming up, one more segment with Dusty Slay here on Sports Day Plus on 1027 ESPN on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with stand-up comedian Dusty Slay. His newest special is on Netflix right now. It's titled Working Man. First, though, I wanted to let you know about another friend of mine. His name is Brian Hummel. His website is HummelRealtor.com. Are you searching for your dream home in Austin? Or maybe you're curious about how much your home is worth? Look no further than Brian Hummel, your trusted Austin realtor with Realty One Group Prosper. Brian is more than just a realtor. He's a full-service expert overseeing your entire transaction from start to finish. He'll lead you through each step of the buying or selling process with questions answered and details explained in plain English. With over two decades in Austin, Brian has witnessed the dynamic growth and evolution of the Central Texas market, making him your invaluable resource for buying, selling, and investing. As a certified real estate negotiator, Brian brings a strategic and skillful approach to bargaining. He secures the best deals, whether it's getting the highest price for a seller or the most favorable terms for a buyer. When you choose Brian Hummel as your realtor, you're not just hiring a real estate expert, you're gaining a trusted partner committed to your success. 
It's been crazy to live here in Central Texas over the last year or so because the housing market has cooled off a bit. But guess what? Signs are pointing to things heating back up. You know it's only a matter of time in this area. We're at that weird point where it's actually a pretty good time for both buyers and sellers right now. If you are either, I encourage you to contact Brian today at 512 619 1347. That's 619 1347. Or log on to his website, HummelRealtor.com. That's H U M M E L Realtor.com. Brian Hummel with Realty One, the one you need. Final segment now with stand up comedian Dusty Slay. His new Netflix special is titled Working Man. And Dusty, we we're just talking about the importance of understanding where things come from. My kids asked me where meat comes from at some point a few years ago. I'm like, do you really want to see where meat comes from? Because these were animals that were alive and they had to be killed in a humanely enough manner that uh, that the uh, cortisol didn't shoot throughout their bodies, basically spoiling the meat. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yeah. I checked with my wife. She's like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. I'm like, well, they're asking. They're curious kids. Kids live on farms and they see this stuff all the time. And so I showed them. They're like... Oh, wow, that's interesting. I don't know if yeah. that gave them any greater appreciation for the chicken that they eat, but they they were curious enough to ask, so I felt uh, obliged to uh, to help provide an answer for them, you know? Yeah, and now they'll at least know, right? So that's what I think. I think just showing uh, and, and making, you know, I don't know, maybe making them do work, you know? I think that uh, I had to do stuff as a kid that I didn't want to do. My dad used to plow a field and then all these rocks would just pop up everywhere. And then my dad would hook a trailer to his truck and then pull. He would drive the truck and me and my stepbrothers would walk behind and pick up all the rocks, um, you know, so it wouldn't break the tractor equipment. But it's like we hated that. But it was work. And now I can appreciate uh, doing comedy for a living because I'm not out in the hot sun picking up rocks. Yeah, you gave a great quote in one of the recent podcast episodes from Steve Martin that you always want to be good so that sometimes you can be great. What a profound statement that is from one of the legends, you know? Yeah. Well, have you ever, have you yeah. ever spent time around Steve Martin? No, I haven't. Uh, I would love to, though. I mean, part of me wants to, but I think that, you know, just from the outside looking in, it's like Steve Martin made a real transition where he's, he was this, you know, you know, to me, at least a real stand up comedy legend. And then he got into acting and then into being almost a full time musician to where it's like so much so much time has passed from that stand up. I would uh, who I would like to meet would be stand up comedy. Steve Martin. Of course, I'll meet any of the any of the versions of Steve Martin. But um, uh, I, that's who I would want to talk to. Uh, and, you know, he does. But I, he- Oh, go ahead. But the quote I love because for me, it's like never wing it. You know, it's like you're doing comedy and you go out and it's like whether the show is sold out or whether, you know, 15 people have showed up. It's like they still bought tickets. Right. So you still want to go out and give a good performance and you can't guarantee that it will always be great, but you can guarantee that it will be good, even if the audience is not into it. I can still be good. I think that's one of the important elements for open mics for comedians that are just getting started is learning to stay focused on whatever the set is, regardless of how big or small the audience is. Because it could be a room that fits 50 
or so people, and there's only six or seven people in the audience, and they're all stand-ups waiting for their turn, there are still ways that you can get better in that moment, even if you aren't hearing the laughs where you know you should hear the laughs. When was the last time you played in front of a mostly empty room? Well, fortunately, I don't I do not do a lot of mostly empty rooms now. Uh, but I, I will say, recently I did The Tonight Show. Okay. And in, in preparation for The Tonight Show, I got there you know, a day early, and I did uh, The Comedy Cellar. And then another venue, the the Village Underground or the Village Lantern. I don't know. I should know the name. But I did um, – and I had not done comedy in a week, but the the booker for The Tonight Show was there with me, and he wanted to see me run the set, and I wanted to run the set. And the seller was only giving me five minutes, and that's how much time I need. So I get up on stage. The audience is pretty rowdy, and, you know, and there's a, some and – and I just start doing the set. And the set is not going very well, but I'm like, I don't have time to address what's going on in the room or do this or do that. I'm just here to run the set. So I was like, you know what? In my head, I'm like, I'm just doing the set no matter how it goes. I know the jokes are good because this is not my first time doing them, but I'm just, however, it's not connecting with this room. That's fine. I'm just going to do the set. And then by the end of the set, I had won them all over and it ended up being a really good set. But that just goes back to the focus of what you're saying is it's like I had a job to do. So regardless of what was going on around me, I was like, I'm still going to do that. And then when I went and did my next set, it was much better because I had, you know, I'd put in the practice of running that set. And now and then by the time I got to the Tonight Show, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Is Zany's in Nashville where you're typically working material out or is a lot of that happening on the road? I mainly do it on the road. I, okay. I usually, I do a, I usually do a monthly show at Zany's mm. and uh, you know, I'll work on some new stuff or I'll do what they, they call new material Monday. Uh, I love Zany's. That's definitely the club I do the most. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm at a place now where when I want to work on something new, I just, you know, I just pop it in between two jokes that uh, are probably, uh, high percentage that they're going to work. Yeah. Uh, so I just do the joke, get a laugh and then do my new thing. And how, regardless of how it goes, move into the next thing. You give a wave, you say, we're having a good time, move into the next thing. That's part of expertise or mastery is understanding how to pull something like that off with uh, paying paying clientele who are not necessarily at that home base. So kudos to you on that one. Just two more questions now, Dusty. First, Successful people tend to ask themselves a lot of questions and they tend to linger on one question more than others on a, at a given time. Considering your successes, is there any one question that you find yourself pondering more than others right now? Other than why in the hell did I choose to appear on this podcast? <laughs> uh, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. A, a new question kind of for me is, you know, what level of success do I want to get to mm. uh, based on the time that it, it will require me to be successful? You know, because I have a family now and I want to be a good parent. My, you know, uh, obviously I need my job. I enjoy my job and we have to have money to live. So I want to be successful, but I also want to be a good dad. Uh, I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, well, my dad's a, a, an amazing comedian, but he wasn't really around that much. So I don't want to be that. I, and so that's kind of something that's in my head a lot these days is finding that balance to where I'm, you know, uh, a good dad first, uh, while also, you know, 
being successful in my career. And not having to be gone every weekend because you're constantly on the road doing a weekend at a Cap City as great as that club is or anywhere else around the country because that is a freaking grind. That does get tiring too. And that's a nice thing. I'm, I am moving more into theater. So, yeah. you know, you can go to a city and do, uh, actually I'm, you know, I'm doing Dallas in May and it's like, we had one show, it sold out. We added a second, but it's still in one day, you know? So that's the hope you just, instead of being at a, a club for three nights, you're there for one night. Cool. Well, congrats on getting to that point in things. And last question Thank now, you. Dusty, what do you love about stand up comedy? Um, stand-up comedy is so great. And this is something that I think about, uh, my whole life. I was always like really seeking to be the center of attention. Like when I was, if I was in a room, I wanted to be the funny guy. I really, it was just something in me. It's like, I needed to make people laugh. But now that I do stand-up comedy and I get to do that all the time for a living, Now I can go to gatherings and parties and events and just be a normal person. I don't feel the need um, to be uh, to be the center of attention. In fact, uh, a lot of times at an event, I don't want that. I want to just hang out and have a good time. And so I think I don't know. It's like there's some kind of laugh meter inside of my body and stand up comedy fills my laugh meter. And then I get to just live my life. Uh, and I, I think that's what I love about it. Very well said. He is Dusty Slay. You can check out his website, DustySlay.com. It's where you can connect with him on socials. It's also where you can find his podcast that he does co-host with his wife, Hannah, called We're Having a Good Time. And make sure to check out that new stand-up special on Netflix. It is titled Working Man. It is all the talk in the stand-up world right now. Dusty, thank you so much for the time today, man. Congrats on the recent successes, and uh, hope this isn't the last time. We'd love to catch up with you at some point in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow from 6 to 7 p.m. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening, and... Welcome. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.